You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, here we are gathered round three microphones, Dice Men 3, on this St. Patrick's Day in 2022 for episode 300. And 26, worst Irish accent ever, and I'm going to stop right there. But I'm joined in the studio today because I am Mark by my good friend, Garth. And? Not your good friend, Leon, by the sounds of it. (laughs) (laughs) And, gents, we've got a a special St. Patrick's Day episode today because we all know that St. Patrick drove the snakes from Ireland. Do we know where he drove them to? Well, I'm hoping he drove them to my zoo. That's what I'm really hoping he did. <laughs> and I'm hoping he possibly, if we have time, drove them to my forest. Well, there you go. And he probably wouldn't have driven them very far because of the price of petrol these days is just incredible. But we are here, as we said, for episode 326 of The Dice Men Cometh, where we talk about board games, card games, role-playing games, all sorts of crazy fun stuff. If you didn't know that we talked about board games on this uh, show, if you just listened to that first opening minute, you would have not a single clue what these idiots are talking about. And guess what? Now that you know it's a board game podcast, it still doesn't really make that much sense at all either. <laughs> all right. Well, Mark, Garth, this show mm-hmm. is arguably the hottest of hot shows oh, yes. that we have had since we returned. My game's got fire in it. Yes, it does. Which I probably won't get to talk about. Well, we might give you a couple of minutes because yeah. it's a nice game. It's a gentle game. It's a lovely game. But what we're all here to listen to mm-hmm. is the game. It is the hottest of hot everywhere in the world of tabletop gaming. And it just so happens that it's all about animals. Yes. Not aminals. Animals. Ooh. And we're talking about Ark Nova. Mm. We have been very lucky to have a review copy of this sent through by our lovely sponsors, Charles at LFG, and we are now very proud to be able to talk about it because we've played it at almost every possible player count, Mark. We have. But I think before we get into the conversation around Ark Nova, and then if we get some time, Leon gets to talk about his little living forest, Mm -hmm. we need a break. We do. We need a song to get us in the mood to talk everything animals because otherwise it's going to be David Attenborough voices at 30 paces. You're here on a precipice. With the Dice Man Cometh at Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Look under that rock! That went old pirate very quickly. Hi, this is Matthew Dunstan, and you're listening to The Dice Man Cometh, the best podcast in Australian board gaming. That was Animals with Big Heads with their song Bones. On Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh. They are a local Tassie act and I quite like that song. And as Mark did point out earlier that this we picked that specifically because we're talking about all things nature and all things animals tonight when it comes to board games, especially the hottest of the hotness. And I thought I'd come in for a quick little intro here because you're probably not going to hear much from me because I was supposed to play this game. But Leon come down with a little bit of not being able to move for a while as he does from time to time so yes. i didn't get 
a chance to play it, so I'm going to let you guys just go. I might jump in with an odd question from time to time and a random assumption like, how many spaceships are in this game? <laughs> that kind of thing. And we'll go from there. It sounds great, Leon. And you continue to, continue to be the oldest young person I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm well broke. To- Excellent. So... I don't even know where we need to begin with this game because if you are at all into the tabletop hobby, you would have had to be living under a rock. Look, under a rock. (laughs) Crikey, there's one under a rock right there. To not know about this game, Ark Nova. So to get the the basics out, Ark Nova, designed by Matthias Wig, published by um, Foulland and also Capstone Games is currently shooting up the list of hottest hot games at the moment. It's already only been out a little while. It's already number 67 in Board Game Geek's list of overall games, 29 in the strategy games. And I had a little look here. Its rank, uh, its rating is 8.7. Do you know how many games in the top 100 have a higher rating than 8.7? I haven't had And I'm going to ask I'm going to ask Mark yes. and then I'll ask Leon. Okay. Uh I think none. All right? Is it I right? think Gloomhaven was 8.6 is what I remember last right. time we chatted cool. about this. I was going to be a smart ass and say 66 because it's the 67th. Um <laughs> I won't say that. Uh 3. <laughs> 3. As far as I can tell there is precisely one game that is ranked higher than this Which and is? it is Gloomhaven uh, with 8.7. 8. Wow, there you go. 3. Oh, there's yep. a lot of wrong people out there these days. So anyway, this gives you an idea of how hot and how popular this game is. And it's a game about making a zoo. Each player of which there can be between one and four. It does have a solo mode and we have not touched that with a stick because it's not what we typically do. However, we have played it at two, we have played it at three and we have played it at four. Mark has managed to play this game four times in a week, Mm. which is pretty good for the old fella. I've only played it a couple times, and Leon, he was out there just walking around in his Zimmer frame and decided not to play a game instead. No, I wasn't walking around at the slightest. <laughs> I was laying in bed catching up on Vikings. It was great. There's some animals in that show, but you don't want to know what happens to them. <laughs> so look, every player's going to sit around the table. There's going to be a big central board, and that's where you're going to track basically the majority of your point scoring things you've got your appeal track which will go from one end of the board all the way around to the other you've got your conservation that's going to go the other way around and it's got this raja of the ganges style end game condition mm. where as soon as one player's two respective scoring meeples cross over that's going to trigger the end of the game and then whoever has basically the biggest difference between the two scoring tracks is going to get the most amount of points and be declared the winner. Oh, so it's end game conditions, not original. <gasps> well, we'll talk about it. I'm going to try and be the negative guy because I know you two are going to go on about this. First. Yeah, but it, it's not a one-for-one, one, Leon, you see. I'm yes, sure we'll get to that. I'm, not, I'm well aware, but I've got to be the negative guy. <laughs> Correct. So these are the two tracks that you're going to be trying to do. Your appeal is basically your income every every time that there is a break, which is the technical term for kind of when it resets a little bit. Um, but then your conservation is basically victory points. And you're trying to get as much money as you can or as many victory points as you can or a combination of the both so that yours is the first two tokens to pass each other to trigger the end of the game. The other track you've got is your reputation track, which is going to impact... I guess the the availability of face-up cards, because there's always going to be a face-up display of six cards, and you need to have reputation to be able to grab them. 
you start on one reputation. You can go all the way up to 15. And if you get as high as that, you've got access to all the potential cards when you do one of your available actions. Now, each one of you is going to have your own little individual zoo that is sort of a polyomino type zoo. Yeah. Not quite, but it is. Looks a little bit like, uh, you know, your Baron Park type situation, which that's bears. Exactly right. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Shocking. So there are multiple ways that you can run these zoos because there are four starting zoos, which they recommend for your first game. Mm. You flip them over and there is four slightly more advanced zoos. That's good if you played it a couple of times and you want to mix it up a bit. And then you've got eight other sides. How does one bit of paper have eight sides? I don't know. But eight individual zoos where you mix them up so that everyone has a slightly different power. And you'd only want to play that once you've got your head around the basics of this game. Perhaps... Uh... Baron Ark Nova. Anyway, so once you've all set up, you're also going to be given your hand of five action cards. And this is what your whole game is mm. going to revolve around. Because at the bottom of every player's little zoo board, you've got these individual slots numbered one through to five. And you'll always put your animals card in the number one slot. Mm -hmm. And then you'll randomly assign the rest of your cards to the slots two through to five. And they've they all got to be the same level. They've all got to be level one. They are double-sided though. Mm -hmm. Garth. What? What do the cards do? So I'm going to start with the animals card oh, because yeah. this is a zoo about animals. And when but you... wait, just over there, there's an animal. There is. <laughs> Or he's slipping in his old age. I've got to say, look, there's some sort of thing that's yeah, not a human. It's very, perhaps a bit spiky. Well, baby. the funny thing is, Mark, having your animals card in slot one means there is no animal mm. because the, as I say, there's slots one through to five, and your cards will become increasingly more powerful and versatile the higher up that number they go. Mm -hmm. So it is much more beneficial and efficient to play a card at four or five strength as opposed to one. And animals is a classic example of that because if you play the card from the one slot, do you know how many animals that allows you to place into your zoo, Leon? Uh, none. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do it, but you might have to. But what it allows you to do is place up to two animals in your zoo as long as you've got somewhere to stick them. Mm. Now, that's really useful because there is a build card. And you know what the build card allows you to do, Mark? Uh, uh, make your zoo bigger? You can. You can actually create enclosures. Now, this is where the size... Oh, sorry, the power of this action is really, really critical. Mm -hmm. Because you can only build enclosures that are as large as the power of the card. So if I'm playing it from position two, I can only build a size two enclosure. If I'm playing it at level five, I can play a level five enclosure and I'm gonna need some of those big enclosures for my larger, more special animals. And you're only ever able to build the one enclosure while you've got this build card at its level one side. Yep. You can flip them up and they'll get more powerful, but that's, that's what your build action's gonna be. You're just basically building empty enclosures with the hope to then fill them up with animals. But Garth, path. if I don't have a lot of money, how am I gonna afford to buy animals in my zoo? Well, the good thing is, Mark, there is an action here, which is, look, it's, it's a sponsor's action. Oh, the LFG action. Well, yes. So sponsors allows you to do one of two things. The first thing that it can do is an income where you can do uh, essentially a trigger of a break, which is where you move your little break token, which is a coffee cup up the track. Once it goes up the track enough, it's gonna break for everybody and things will happen. 
Um, that little yes you just did was easily the best Attenborough so far, by the way. Continue. <laughs> income, you say? Income, the elephants. So the other thing that you can do with your sponsor's card is play actual sponsor's card from your hand because you're going to start the game with four cards. You'll get dealt eight. You get to choose four of them. You'll look at them and you'll try and figure out what the hell are you trying to do. Sponsor cards are played face up into a tableau and you're typically going to have a line of sponsor cards and a line of animal cards. That's really all you're going to be looking at. Sponsors allow you potentially instant bonuses to do certain things, uh, but really what they're going to do is give you potentially a bit of direction or a bit of guidance around what you want your zoo to look like. You might have uh, an ornithologist as a, as a sponsor and that allows you to do something special. You might have a, prim a primate specialist that gives you bonuses for every primate that you're going to put in your zoo. They allow you to do certain um, actions that you may not be able to do. Otherwise, they allow you to get benefits not only from your zoo, but potentially from your neighbour's zoos as well, which and is really, really cool. There is a fascinating, I'm going to say that word a number of times, I'm sure, during this review, a fascinating variety of the different sponsors. And in fact, you know, I, you said, Garth, I played this game four times. I still don't think I've seen all the cards. No. Because did we mention there's a whopping, whopping a massive stack of cards. There is. There are 255 of yeah. said cards, yeah. and they are singularly, 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 the hardest deck of cards to try and shuffle mm. because there's just too many of them. Also, the card stock isn't the greatest. Oh, so... let's not get stuck into this game just yet, Garth. Save that. Save that for Burn it. later. Well, I did seriously consider putting them through my card shuffler. <laughs> But there is no way yeah. that I would do that yeah. because of this game. Uh, but anyway, so that's your sponsor cards. The other card that you're going to have is called the cards card. Leo. Ooh, cards card. Now, the cards card allows you to break, which again is very important. And I don't want to try and express how important it is to trigger breaks over the radio because it, there's no point. That sounds mm. like the cars card. It's, trying, it's like trying to explain so clover. You know, I just don't think you'll, you'll be able to do it. The well. most important question, though, Garth, is can you get cards with your cards card? You can. And the number of cards that you can get, again, depend on how powerful the action is. So whether it's on position one through to five, you'll be able to draw more cards the, the, the higher up it gets towards that five level. And, you know, in the five position, for example, you get to draw three cards. You can get to discard one, but it's not one of the ones that you drew. You can discard any of the cards that you've got in your hand. It also, in position fives, allows you to do a snap action. Now, a snap action is to be able to take one of those six up, six face-up cards that are in the middle. And it's going to be the only way that you're going to be able to really have agency over the cards that you choose is by doing this snap action. As the game progresses, in my humble opinion, that action becomes very, very powerful indeed. Some crocodiles have access to a snap action as well. I was seconds away from clapping my hands in the microphone when he said snap action. So everyone out there can thank me that I did not do so. All right, the last card is the associations card, and it allows you to do your association action. You start the game with precisely one associate. You can unlock up to three more, so you can always have a total of four by the end of the game. And they're going to be able to be used on the other board, the association board, which will grant you the ability to go and try and get a bit of extra reputation and you'll need it to get access to more of those face-up cards, or to create a partnership with another zoo. And what that means is you get a token that has a, I guess, just a continent symbol on it, yep. and it just is going to give you a perpetual bonus for every time you play an animal of that 
continent into your zoo. It's going to give you a discount or sometimes it's a prerequisite mm. of the animal card that you have a partnership. The other thing you can do is uh, basically get a, uh, a relationship with a university, which is going to give you some symbols that you can use, maybe a bit more reputation, or increase your hand limit up to five. And when there is a break, if you don't have that university, everyone's hand limit goes is three and you mm. discard down to that, which can be quite painful. But the main reason you want to be going there, especially as the game progresses, is to basically go and complete uh, conservation projects, which is victory points. Mm -hmm. They're always going to start with the number of players worth of victory point, uh, sorry, conservation projects out there. And you can only ever place one of your little cubes onto each conservation project. But the good thing is when you do it, the cube comes from your zoo. There are seven cubes on your zoo. And every time you remove one, you get a bonus. It might be a one-off injection of money, uh, unlocking another associate, getting a victory point as the game progresses because four of them are basically ones that will trigger every time there is a break as the game progresses. So if you do that early, any opportunity to get free actions, free resources or free stuff, grab it with both hands. Grab it with all eight hands if you're an octopus. It's really, really beneficial. But they're all the actions that you're going to have, except octopuses don't have eight hands. They have brains in those hands too. There we go. <laughs> so... You're going to go round and round and round. There is no real rounds or turns apart from I'm going to do a thing, the person to my left is going to do a thing, and you're going to go round and round and round until a break is triggered. On your turn, you're only ever going to be able to do one of those actions. And as soon as you do it, you do it for the strength that it relates to, you complete your action, and you move that card down to position one so it's now a weak source card. Mm. And you're trying for the oh, processes of, of what, an hour plus per player to try and get this little engine of yours going as well as you can. Now, before we address the elephant in the zoo, I want to talk about these action cards, Garth, because I must admit that when I saw this game and I saw the outer hand of action cards, I immediately went... Yeah, another race for the Galaxy clone. Or uh, that Puerto Rico action again. Yeah, nothing interesting. But I have to say, I don't think I have ever seen action cards used like this in a game before. Have you? I can't think I can't think of one. Not off the top of my yeah. head. But I think this game screams of grabbing gaming me mechanics and mechanisms mm. from a whole bunch of other games and combining them to a game where they all sort of make sense. But not in a not in a Freedom and Freeze 503 type of system where it's like Frankenstein with its head bolted onto its backside or anything like that. But I'm not going to use the word elegant because I don't think it's an elegant game, but... They certainly mesh together in a in a smooth way, let's say. It's just, it doesn't feel clunky. No. Your first game will, though, mm. because there are so many icons involved in this game, and I strongly recommend that whoever has got access to a printer goes out and prints off additional copies of the glossary because you need it. Yeah. Every player needs to have one of these um, readily available. Available. They are A4 size, and they are double-sided, and they are absolutely covered in icons and yeah. you need to know them. And even even if it's only for your first game or two, because what I found now after playing four times is mostly, mostly they're intuitive once you work out what they are, which I guess is a sign of relatively good 
game and graphic design? Mostly, I say, because some of them are just right out there. Some of them don't feature on the sheet or are sort of feel like they're hidden away, and some of them don't make sense at all. And you'd think, oh, being a gamer, I sort of know how this works because it's a thing. And then you find out, no, it actually doesn't work that way at all. Like normal games, it's a made-up thing just for this game, which can be quite frustrating. Please. Even if, even if you've explained that it's in the rules and just someone doesn't agree with it, um, they won't let it go, let it go. <laughs> However, a couple of the plays I had were not with Mark, and I'm sure he vented to someone else at the table. So that was really, really good. But look, the game itself is actually mechanically really quite simple, mm-hmm. but it is long. And it's not because your turns are complicated. It's not because you'll sit there and uh, ruminate over and over, mostly. But when you need to plan something, it is going to take you multiple turns to get there. And the reason for it is you might randomly be dealt a really powerful animal card that you want to get into your zoo because it's going to give you a lot of appeal because the best way for your zoo to make appeal and make money is to put down animals because every time you put an animal down, they're going to increase your appeal. They might increase your reputation. That's the way you're going to get your engine going because you need money to be able to afford your enclosures. You need money to be able to then afford more animals to put Mm. them in. And a lot of the time you're going to need money for other things throughout the game as well. So really, if you've got cards that you cannot play, there's a really strong argument to either figure out how to play them quickly or to get rid of them because they're no use to you. Yep, yep. Now, Garth, I want to interrupt you there because we've been talking for almost 20 minutes about this game and we really haven't got into the meat of the discussion which is what I love, what I hate and what I can put up with about this game and I'm interested to hear the odd thought from you as well. So how about we take a quick little break so the listeners can run to the toilet, grab a cup of tea, get some biscuits, animal crackers maybe, come back and listen to more about the hottest game out there, Ark Nova. For the moment though, you are listening to Edge Radio at 99.3 FM. And we are the Dice Man Cometh. And we're going to play a track back soon. Bye. Hey, this is Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games. And you're listening to the Dice Men Cometh with Mark, who is the real Tasmanian devil. That was Frogs in Suits with All the Best on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh. And they are, of course, a local Tassie act. And again, animals, because we're doing a thing about animals. But before you guys talk again for another 20-odd minutes with me just kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs, uh, I have a question for Mr. They're Mark. opposable thumbs. A lot of animals don't have those. Yeah. Except for cats, they have them like halfway up their arm. They use them to flick rubber bands. Uh, Mark, <laughs> I'm just on. curious... Mm-hmm. Um, how many spaceships do you think are in the game Baron Park Nova? <laughs> or how many do you think we should put in it when we design it? Because ever since you've said that, that's all I've thought about. Yeah. It's just a sci-fi version of Baron Park with just, you know, pandas with like, almost like dino riders with like little things on the back of their head that you can... Either way, I think three per player, maybe. Three per... Oh, that is interesting. There we are. We're, we're board game designers. We're already starting. There you go. Okay. Now, Garth. Yep. I've got five action cards, and I'm going to do these actions over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That doesn't sound that exciting, I'm afraid. How how are you as 
Matthias Wig from and your buddies at Foyerland gonna foyer it up for me and make it interesting because I so something tells me. It's going to be a long game. Uh, yes. I don't know how. Well, exactly right. But they have clearly listened to us mm. because not only have they created double-sided board technology, mm-hmm. they have also created double-sided card Whoa. technology. Because as you progress through the game and as you get past certain levels on the conservation track or mm-hmm. unlock certain areas of uh, universities and, and your associates, you'll get to flip over cards. Oh. Now, you've got five cards. Yep. You're only ever going to be able to flip oh. up a maximum of four, maybe three. You know what I hate, Garth? Choices. No, I love choices, but I hate it when you get two-thirds of the way through the game, as I have now twice, and you realise, oh, I needed to flip over my animals card to give me access to the bigger, more victory-pointy uh, ability-type animals and there are no flippy over card spaces left, and I've really screwed up. Well, I haven't even played it yet, and I'm, I'm well aware. You've got to flip over the animal card. <laughs> Honestly, Mark. Mark, you've got to flip over the animal card. It's an animal game. Oh, but the problem is, Leon, is if you flip over the building card, then all of a sudden, instead of building one building up to value five, you could build five one buildings, if they were all different, Which or a three and a two, or a four and a one, or a, hey, if you throw in some of those bonus tokens that make you go higher than five you could build a four and a three or a five and a three well that sounds great if you were playing say suburbia there you go girl that one's for you <laughs> also a board game uh but this is a game about animals so you should have done the animal cup yes but well, then look, you guys are talking yeah. about the two kind of boring cards that you flip over oh, yeah because the animals card just allows you to build more well, build more build animals, more animals. Where your card's not quite as powerful. And the building card, you can breed more buildings. Exactly right. And as Mark said, rather than just building a single building, you can build multiple buildings. Yeah. The more interesting cards, I believe, are the other three. Mm. And this is where I'm not saying they're the ones you always want to flip. I just think they're a little bit more exciting. So the cards card allows you to get more more cards, cards. But more importantly, it allows you to snap earlier. Where, you, where you've got less power in the snapping. Again, it's the only way you're going yep. to get access to these face-up cards, which is why you want your reputation to be higher to get access to more of them. That is an incredibly, incredible, I guess, powerful action. Now, Garth, yeah, I have to correct you. So snapping, you can choose any one of those cards. Within reputation range, once you've upgraded your card. No, 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 no. Snapping, you can take any card. But if you do the choosing of the cards, then when you flip over that card, you can then... Draw from the deck or draw within your reputation range, I think you'll find. Okay. And that's, as you said, that's a fascinating thing because you've got those, I've said it again, you've got those six cards out there. And, you know, we said it before, this deck of cards is massive. And if you're trying to get some sort of synergy happening where the primates are going to form the major part of my zoo, then if you're flipping... Drawing cards from the deck, trying to get primates, there could be 20 cards before you get to the next primate. Whereas if there's a primate sitting out there face up, ready for you to go, well, you can snap them. Or you can use the upgraded cards action to pick that card if it's within your reputation range. Exactly right, which you can do as well, Mm. which is really useful. Now, this is not a rules explanation video. Lucky. 
Exactly right. I'd have to have my Klingon captions. <laughs> so you've got the sponsors card. Once you upgrade that, you can play multiple sponsors cards, Kaplark. including playing them from uh, the reputation range on the on the face-up display. And then you've also got the association upgrade card, which allows you to not just play a single association mm. action again. You can play multiple up to the value of your power. So that's really, really cool as well. I think the good thing is you want to be doing some of them. Yeah. You ultimately want to do all of them, and yep. you cannot... And that is, again, one of those really interesting decisions that we'll see you through. Now, part of the interesting thing you've got to start doing is how the hell do you get conservation yes, points? Yes, so difficult. Because trying to find your first couple of conservation points is a real struggle. And this game is a slow burn mm. at the start. There's no denying that. You're just going to be trying to have enough money to play enough animals to get you more money to continue to play animals. And you're going to get into this bit of a cycle where you don't want to be playing your animals or your enclosures too low down the track because you're only ever going to be able to build small enclosures yeah. for small animals, which are fine, but they only give you small levels of appeal, yeah. which doesn't give you that big cash injection that a golden eagle or an elephant's going to give you that is really going to set your your zoo on this sort of upward momentum and towards did, victory. Did we mention that the, the conservation points, one of the tracks, is like three three appeal points, which is the other one, basically equals one conservation point. So you can zoom along the conservation point track pretty quickly, provided you could actually get any of them. Because as you said, Garth, in order to, to put a cube on those conservation projects, usually you've got to have multiple things, whether it's multiple animals from the same continent, whether it's multiple types of the same animal, whether it's animals and partners, zoos, matching. It's not the sort of thing that you can do straight out of the box. Although some of the cards do have conservation points on the bottom as well as appeal points, but they're a bit few and far between. If you mm. see one, you've got to grab them because you really need to make a start on that conservation track. Correct. Because there are some bonuses early on in the track that you can get access to with these random little tokens that you, you put out at setup, which can be quite powerful, like... Well, not even on the token, but if you get two conservation points, you then get to choose, do I flip a card to side two, or do I get my extra associate? And did we mention this associate actions are really important because you want that second associate early in the game, but hey, do I want action to the extra building action? Do I want more cards? And these are some of the really interesting decisions in this game, because not only is which card am I going to flip over... But which, what order of cards am I going to flip it over? So that, to me, it's a that's a great little puzzle in itself. It sure is. And then you have the geographical puzzle of your zoo. Because did we mention, in the zoo, which is little hexes, it has various bonuses that if you cover over that particular hex, there must be, say, 10 of them or so spread out across your zoo. If you cover over those little bonus icons, you get to take that bonus action straight away, which might give you a card, might give you some reputation points, might give you money, could give you a lot of things, might even give, well, no, maybe you don't. It could give you lots of things, I can't remember them all. But that's another way that you can do a bit more on your turn. And so what you find is as you get later into the game, you are getting these combo turns where you put down an animal, 
and then that will let you cover over a bonus action, which will then move your reputation track. And then, oh, you've tripped over a bonus action on the reputation track, which will then let you do something else. And if your name is Carl, perhaps, that turn might take half an hour, Carl. Not anymore. 20 minutes, Carl. Anyway, yes, yeah, so you... It is one of those games where your turns can get longer and longer. But at the same time, Leon, uh-huh. how many turns did I have, Garth, where it was like, come around to me and I went, yeah. And now I've got my next three turns planned out. Because did we mention there's not a huge amount of player interaction? And so there's only a couple of different ways that other players can affect your actions. So maybe they might take one of those cards that's out there that had your eye on. Maybe they might take your spot on a um, sponsorship card, but they can't actually affect your zoo in any way. So they can't... That's not true at all. They can't steal your enclosure. They can't steal the card from your hand. There are some animals with various icons. Oh, those animals. Which can either provide you with a, a venomous bite... Or some form of constriction. Mm. Uh, they can pilfer. Uh, so there are a few animals, and they're, you know, the boa constrictor, there's a constriction thing, which basically is going to lower the strength of one of your cards for, for the next action. Well, we, we didn't actually see any of those, bast- let's call them the bastardy actions. We didn't see any of those until the very last game we played, which, as you said, for me was my fourth game. Now... That may have been because my lovely wife, Sarah, she likes to play nice. So the good thing is, is if you don't like to play the bastardy actions, well, there's a bit on the bottom of the card that's actually designed for the solo game. But lovely Matthias has said, if you don't want to be nasty, you can use the solo action to get a little extra thing yourself and just pretend the bastardy thing isn't there. So you do have an option to do that. So look, there's a lot going on. But mechanically, it's not that hard. But you will realise it as you sit down there and you go, oh, my goodness. Good thing I'm in a comfy chair. Good thing I've got my glass of water or something stronger because I'm in here for the long haul. Our first game took approximately six hours. (laughs) That was four players. Took two days. Yes, it did. did. (laughs) But poor old Trent ended up asleep on the floor. That's okay. Because the most recent game at three players took only about four hours. (laughs) And that was feeling like a speed yeah. game. It was almost up there with just tic-tac-toe. It was so speedy. We were very efficient. And as you say, Mark, a large percentage of the turns were, yep, I'm done. Yep. And that was for all of us. Mm. However, because there is so much efficiency required to get the thing you want in the turn that you need it to be for the power of the card that you've played... And in order for it to be an animal, you have to have the enclosure at the right level, the card for the animals at the right level. You may need to have prerequisites met with um, partner zoos or other symbols in your zoo already. And you've got to have money. Money to do it. And you've got to it. afford it. And these animals can cost $20, 30 mm. um, each. And if you play your animals card at the right spot, you want to place two of these animals yep. down. So you need to have the cash up your sleeve as well. So it's one of those amplifying things where you've got to have A to have B to have C to have D. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a bit of a hole and that ceases to be fun, especially with such random card draw. Yeah, so look, let's... let's. I don't want to say let's pick holes in it, but let's talk about what we don't like. So the playtime is tough. I watched Rado talk about this. He's punched out a whole 
truckload of games. And even he said he really can't get it down to any less than one hour per player. I played a two-player game and it took just over two hours and I was really pushing, pushing, pushing. I played a three-player game which took about three hours and again I was not saying hurry up every turn, Carl, but I was saying hurry up just a little bit. So, yeah, it's long. It is long. It takes investment in the rules. Like, they're not super tricky, but there's enough little stupid things in the rulebook that don't quite make sense or aren't mentioned that it has you diving for BGG. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the rulebook that Garth has in front of him right now. They're very small mm -hmm. lettering in mm. a book that looks rather intimidating. Mm. Well, it's a 20-page rulebook, and there is no empty space. However, I must say, for a game with this many icons, uh, for the most part, it's actually quite good. Yeah. As you say, Mark, there are a few scenarios where you go, I just don't get it, or I'll need to see it in action, or what are we going to house rule, or let's check BGG. And that's, look, how many games are there that fit that criteria? Yeah. The reality is this game, for the most part, plays well, but it is playing long. And look, you know, talking about our criticism, I think, you know, the thing I feel is that this game didn't realise how popular yep. it was going to be. Yep. And because the components are not great. The zoo pieces are. The zoo boards are not. They are super duper thin. And yes, they're double-sided, but they are super duper thin. Yeah, a few videos I've watched on this, uh, various people that are either reviewing it or previewing it or whatnot, nearly every single one of them has said the exact same thing, that, my God, the second edition of this is going to be awesome. Well, that's the one you want. Yes. <laughs> that's the one you want because, as I say, I don't think it realised yeah. how, how good this game was going to be, uh, well, sorry, how well it was going to be received and how popular it was going to be. If there isn't already a second edition being planned with upgraded components or if there's not some third party developing upgraded inserts and things a la terraforming Mars, yeah. then I would be a monkey's uncle. Well, look, the other sad thing for me is you've got a game with 255 cards. We've played now four times. Now, you mentioned you have to shuffle a lot before the game because you all end up with a stack of cards. And if you just put them together, you end up with a bunch of sponsors together, a bunch of animals together. But... I'm already seeing wear and tear on the cards after four games. Mm. And those you're not those animal cards, you're not handling them a lot. Your action cards sit down in front of you, but again, because you're picking them up, moving them, I'm already seeing wear and tear on those cards and they're just flimsy and you can't afford 255 bloody good quality sleeves to protect your animal cards. And if you put the sleeves in, you never shuffle the huge deck anyway. Anywho. Oh my god. Um, I have a question that could possibly be a negative. Since you mentioned a second ago that Terraforming Mars, this game has many, many comparisons mm -hmm. to Terraforming Mars. Yep. Some would call it a Terraforming Mars killer, perhaps. But we'll no. get to that when you guys talk about it. However, what I did want to ask, probably Mark, who's played it a few more times than Garth, is that is it like Terraforming Mars in the sense that when you play Terraforming Mars for the first time with somebody that's played it quite a lot, there's a good chance... Even if they're being nice, they're probably going to trounce you because they know that deck of cards so much better than you. I know there's a lot of cards in yep. this game, but do you think if you played with a game with me right now, you've played four times, I've played none, do you think you would have even more of an advantage than you normally would a game you've played a few more times than me? Uh, Leon, I think if you played this game ten times and I played it no times, I'm still going to trounce you. But apart from that... Oh, um, Who won the game earlier tonight? Uh, <laughs> was, it, was it Leon? I think it was Leon. Apart from that, uh, yes, because... You don't need to know the individual cards to know the, how the interplay of cards 
and sponsors and the zoo board and when's a good time to use your action cards you know that you can afford to use weak actions sometimes until you let your other actions get more powerful you are going to know the general flow of the game because it's not okay it's my turn what's the best thing i could do now is you really do have to be planning two or three turns ahead yes but the counter to that is you could be dealt the most powerful card in the game at the start and have no way to play it mm. for four hours. Yep. And you don't want to have that situation. So, for example, there is the elephant card, which allows you to basically get another final scoring card, which gives you an access to another four conservation points, which is massive. Right. But in order to play that elephant card, you've got to have a level five enclosure, You've got to have an upgraded um, animals card. You've got to have a certain number of um, other icons already available mm -hmm. in your zoo. You've got to have a partner zoo that goes with it. And then you've got to have the 30-odd dollars yep. to be able to afford it. Yeah. To get all of those things, if you solely focus on that one action, you're not going to win the game because you're going to have missed out on so many yeah. other opportunities. And it is similar to Terraforming Mars in that way, in that because you don't get uh, access to a huge amount of cards, you've got to make that quick decision, okay, of this eight I've got, which ones am I actually going to be able to play in the first few rounds? Mm -hmm. And got to let the others go. Uh, there, are, there are opportunities to sell cards in this game, but it's quite rare because only a handful of animals have that ability. And you don't want to do it very sun, often. Sunbathing. And yeah, because cards are rare. So it has a lot of similarities to Terraforming Mars in that you're sort of building a tableau on the table. You've got uh, tiles that you're putting down. But the way you put the tiles down is really different because you're not interacting on one planet. You're interacting on your own. Oh, you're not interacting on your own zoo. So there's similarities in that. My wife and I, we both love Terraforming Mars. We like this card, but not because they're just like each other. Makes sense. Mm. So, what did you think of it? Garthy boy. I love it. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I I can see why Tom Vassell calls it, you know, number one game of all time. I think it'll be on the top of a lot of lists this this year. I think the, the I, th I really think the, the theme is is beautifully worked in with these actions. Mm -hmm. it, it does all just make sense and it all flows and it is a slog, but it is very rewarding when you get a bit of synergy happening. I love the fact that there's so many cards. I, I know that you will be able to play the game 10 times and not see all the same cards in the same order all the given time. It's going to be completely random and that's where the challenge of this game is. Mm. And I, I'm not excited by playing lots of games multiple times. The nature of what we do, we play lots of games once or twice and move on because we have to. Mm -hmm. I want to play this game again and again. I've played it twice in a week, which is a lot for me for one long game that takes four to six hours. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing it again and again. That's a rare thing for me. Okay, well, I like it a lot, but I'm not going to use the other L word because I just think there's just... There's annoying things, and the annoyingest part about the annoying things is it's not the game's fault. The, it's your fault, Mark, no, the, for not allowing the rules to just do what well, they Well, there's to. that, but then there's also the company and the designer not recognising what they had here, not maybe just taking that little bit longer to get it to market, to make it the quality of product that it deserves to be. And if this isn't on Kickstarter tomorrow, so I can say, shut up and take my money to make it the game that it really could be, 
It makes me sad, but I don't think that it's going to affect the game because I think enough people are going to buy into the hype to get it anyway. Do you, do, do you reckon I'll like it? I think you will both like and be frustrated yeah. by it because you will have, in very typical Leon fashion, yep. your next five moves at least planned. Yep. You'll sit there going, why is everyone taking so long? Yep. I'm going to do this and then that and then that and then that and then that. Mm. And then at some point, something will happen. Yep. It'll absolutely throw you off by a smidge and you'll then not like it. Garth had his head in his hands at least twice last night. One, because Carl was taking a long time, but two, because Carl took the card that his second part of his massive strategy was hinging around. It had probably been sitting there for five minutes. No one had taken it. So, of course, he thought, no one wants that card. I'm just going to, now I can get to the card. It's gone far enough down the reputation track that I can get it. And then Carl went, nah, I might take that. And poor Garth had his head in his hands. And look, I agree. I, I reckon you're going to love it and hate it at the same time. But you've got to try it. I certainly will look forward to doing that sometime soon. Mm -hmm. Now, do we want to throw to a song, yes. Rocky Boy? Yes, just briefly. Yes. Okay, you're with the Dice Man Come With Edge Radio 99.3 FM. My name is Cameron. The Dice Men rule, and they had me at hello. You're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We are the Dice Men Cometh, and that was Beck Sandridge with her song, Animal. A local, a local Australian act. Now, you know what, fellas? I think enough of talking about games for a while. Let's talk about us. What have we been up to lately? And I'm going to start by letting everyone know that we, all three of us, we were special guests, because we are special, on Australia's second best board gaming podcast, the Board Game Barbecue Podcast. We were very lucky to be asked to be part of Oceana Month with the Board Game Barbecue Podcast, and you can check them out with all their socials and Spotify and what, what have you. But we were, I think, episode 181 of theirs. Oh, they're just getting into it. And they... As you're doing a barbecue, grilled us for about two hours about what we've been playing, about our history here with Edge Radio, how we survive in a radio studio where you can't just stop and edit and say, let's do that again. It's live to air right now. Yes, they did. And it's lots of fun. It was really good fun and I think really good content as well. So once you've obviously downloaded the episode for the Dice Man Cometh, if you're not listening live, then we'll give you permission to go and download mm -hmm. that episode from the board. And follow on all the socials and stuff too. They're, they're a good bunch of lads and ladies and they um, do good for the hobby while, especially while we've been away, they've absolutely smashed it during this um, trying time. So good for them. Good. Yeah, and they've, they're spread all over Australia. Yep. Not stuck in a little island like we are. Yeah. Well, speaking of a little island, yeah, I want to just tease what our next episode's going to be Ooh. because we are talking about animals, some kind of animals, Ooh. mainly sheep and cattle. <laughs> Exciting! But we are going to do a publisher special. <gasps> so we are going to be doing a whole show on the games of Shillmill, which is a New Zealand or Auckland-based board game publisher and designer. Probably best well known for Australia by Martin Wallace mm -hmm. and the new 
a sort of expansion-y standalone one, two, and three player version of that called Tasmania. Tasmania! Yeah. Go Tasmania! of the old ones bonus as well. But we've also got a, a little review on Manifest, which is kind of like, I've heard it compared to Ticket to Riday. Ticket to, <laughs> to Rad, Rad, but with boats. Now, yes. I've not played that, whatever that game is. It involves trains or some sort. But we're going to have Manifest, so I'll be curious to see what you guys think of that. And then there's also a little kids game called Komodo, which should have been in this episode because it's all about animals. Do you know what I think? That all of you out there should get on the socials, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and just tell Garth what an imposter he is because he's never played what is potentially one of the keystone games in our hobby Ticket to ride. Get on there. Yeah, it is a bit ridiculous, but he's always been I ridiculous. Choo, choo, and <laughs> since I haven't had a chance to talk about The Living Forest, because you two went so on about this game, it's like the greatest <sighs> game ever, Ark Nova. Uh, we will talk about that sometime in the coming weeks and months. But a few other things, a bit of a tease for you that we might have coming up. I have not yet talked about Marvel United slash X-Men United, and I am a massive comic book and especially X-Men Head, so I'm looking forward to that. The new Summoner Wars, a new version of my favouritest game, Everest. Viscounts of the West Kingdom, we've not mentioned yet. Micro Macro, Blitzkrieg, just to name a few. And you guys, on the off chance that Leon has to actually go and do some work for a change, someone's going to do it around he's not here. injured. You lads have some stuff up your sleeves as well, mainly the big one, King's Dilemma, mm. which I reckon is going to take up an entire whole episode. <laughs> How you guys can do that without spoiling stuff I don't know. Yeah. And just a quick little mention to people, a few games I have on my shelf of shame, which is rather small at the moment, that I'm going to get to the table to soon. Two classics that I've not played before, Castles of Burgundy and Orleans. Oh, yes. They're going to happen sometime soon, and then I can talk about them. And two games that just arrived on my doorstep from the Americas just the other day. The new version of Horrified, oh, American yes. Monsters, mm. and... World of Warcraft Pandemic. Oh, okay. So a World of War, a Pandemic game, but you get to play as like orcs and goblins and stuff and go around killing stuff and whatnot. As opposed to the, was it the small World of Warcraft? Yes. Yes, they are two different games. Well, you know what arrived on my uh, front doorstep was a copy of Parks. I finally got my hand on nice. a secondhand copy of Parks. Beautiful. I can't wait. It looks lovely. I cannot wait to get to the table and I can't wait to tell you all about it. But... We're out of time again. Shocking. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Rock next to the Penguin that are the Dice Men coming here with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We're going to leave you with another track. Thank you for joining us for another fortnight. We'll be back. Check us out on the socials. Check out the Board Game Barbecue podcast and check out all of our podcasts. You have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, yeah. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.